My name is Julian, and this is the Sales Fix Podcast. It's you, the salespeople across the world that make the world a better place. You've brought down prices, you've increased quality, you've caused the guarantee, the warranty, the return policy, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Discussions, interviews, sales quick tips. Everything to sharpen the saw and make you a better salesperson. Hey, sales warriors, welcome back to another episode of the Sales Fix Podcast. My name is Julian, and I will be your host. One of the things uh, that I consistently see as a sales consultant is the challenge that companies have with being able to train using actual feedback from real sales conversations with customers because nothing is going to provide the same amount of value as actually hearing your customers interact with your sales team and being able to then make improvements or tweaks based on what you're hearing inside those conversations. And you know the problem is when you're trying to do that, you either have to be sitting there in the office or on some connected system trying to catch calls as they're live and you you spend a lot of times listening to calls that aren't really the kind of calls that you're looking for in terms of, you know, you want to call whether you hear the presentation, you're going to hear a lot of phone calls, a lot of hangups, a lot of other stuff. Or if you're trying to get out in the field with your sales reps, that can be just as challenging. Obviously, travel, all the other elements that come into place. One of the tools that I've consistently recommended to my customers to use and that I've used myself is a tool called Refract. If you want to check them out, they're at refract.ai. That's R-E-F-R-A-C-T dot A-I. What Refract does is allows you to not only record all your calls, no big deal, a whole bunch of softwares will be able to do record all your calls, right? But it builds them into a database and you can actually audit certain, all kinds of information within certain calls. So for example, you want to hear what percentage of the time your sales reps are talking versus your clients are talking, you can analyze that data. If you want to actually look for keywords or phrases and make sure that they're getting hit in a particular sequence, it's programmable to do that as well. It's also a fantastic training tool, allows you to record like a challenge essentially like hey I want you to give me your elevator pitch and here's what it should sound like and then you can assign that to individual salespeople all to the whole organization so it's a huge time saver it's incredibly affordable and it's the support on it and the staff over at refract are all fantastic check them out online at refract.ai and tell them that sales fix sent you let's talk about today's quick fix sales tip and I want to talk to you about something that I always refer to as the Monday morning bait tactic. So here's how it goes. If you've ever worked in an office, you've heard people do this. This is the person that's standing at the water cooler on Monday, and they fish for questions about their weekend by making a vague declarative statement. A statement like, boy, is my back sore from this weekend, right? Or, wow, I learned something the hard way on Saturday. And these statements are really uttered with only one main purpose, and that's to elicit a question from you that justifies them telling their story. So they have a story they want to tell. They want to tell this story. But they kind of feel like they're imposing the story on you unless they can get you to ask a question like, well, how did that happen? And so they're, they're laying down this bait essentially by making it a declarative statement so that you're going to ask a question. So then now they're justified in providing you the answer. Now, the reason we do that as human beings is because we don't want to seem pushy or self-involved by walking right up to a group of coworkers and saying, let me tell you about my weekend, right? Guys, drop everything that you're doing and let me talk about what's important to me. That doesn't feel good for most people. Most people want to maintain the illusion of detachment by getting somebody else to say, why, what happened? Why, what did you do this weekend? They want to be asked, in other words. Really, they just want to be asked. Now, while that's an obvious play in that scenario, it still works. 
works for a couple of reasons. The small reason that it works is because our basic human politeness, you can sense they want you to ask, so you ask out of politeness. You go along to get along. But actually the big reason is in a lot of cases, curiosity causes at least a certain percentage of people within this situation to inquire further. It causes the storyteller on the flip side to feel invited into telling the story, but what compels us typically to ask the question is something based around curiosity. Somebody walks in and goes, boy, is my backstory this weekend. It's just natural human instinct to go, why? What happened? It's just the way we're built. So again, as obvious as this tactic can appear in real life, as as Kvechian kind of obvious as it is in the water cooler situation, there's a subtler sales cousin that's actually a highly effective technique. And it comes down to this. You as a salesperson have a story to tell. You've got a story built around product, right? So getting your product information into the form of a response to a prospect's question is the best way to identify genuine interest in buyers and being able to sort prospects from suspects and also to maintain an equal footing inside that conversation. You want to be asked. Being asked is a good thing. Now, I've talked about this on other podcasts. And matter of fact, in a recent podcast, talking with a jiu-jitsu professor, we talked how there was a jiu-jitsu technique that's based on the same concept. It's it's creating the space for your opponent to move into. And in this case, it's it's creating the space for the question to be asked so that you're allowed to convey information. The reason that's important is any information you want to share with a prospect, with another human being, is going to be accepted way easier. You're going to run into far less resistance if that information is conveyed in the form of the answer to a question that they get that they ask. So the trick is to get them to ask the question, not to just jump right in and blast the information at them. And it plays off the fact that Nobody really cares about how you do something until they care about what it is that you can do for them. So any information you throw at them that's around the how, that breaks down actual how the product works and explains how it gets there is really kind of premature and somewhat useless unless they've you've generated some interest on their behalf. So how do you tell? How can you be in a situation where like, is it safe to kind of talk about my product to start to present? And this is a good first step that that you're doing. So let's go to an imaginary scenario, right? You've invented a widget. Uh, Your company's invented a widget. It's called the Derpo, okay? And what the Derpo does is it harnesses thermal power and eliminates any food spoiling in a fridge for up to a year. So if you add a Derpo to your fridge, any food in that fridge for a year cannot rot. It's an imaginary product, right? So the classic sales model used by most companies pretty much works like this. They bring in a bunch of salespeople. They walk them through the demo of the Derpo. They explain how the Derpo works, breaking it down, how the technology works, all that kind of stuff. They give a massive amount of product information. They fill their heads with all kinds of really cool stories and stuff on how the Derpo works and how it does this and how it does that and then a testimonial and and, and a, a scientific data and studies that was done and some nice videos. And then they take the sales force and they release them out into the street with flyers, brochures, videos, Facebook pages, testimonials, marketing materials, and they send them out in the world so that they can go vomit all that information on any poor unsuspecting prospect, in this case, call it a restaurant owner or a kitchen manager, that gets within 100 miles of them, all this derpo information comes out and spills on top of the client. And the problem with that approach, outside of the fact that that's what most people are doing, that's the biggest problem with it, it's what most salespeople do, 
But the biggest problem with it is that the restaurant owner has no interest in how the Derpo works until he's actually interested in what the Derpo can do for him. So walking around and hosing him down with product information creates a lot of work on your end because you're presenting to a ton of prospects that are not really prospects because you haven't identified real interest yet. But it also annoys people. It's annoying. It's arrogant. We come off as salespeople looking arrogant when our premise is to approach you with the assumption that you're going to be interested in what I have to sell or what it is that I have to talk about. it's The fact that it's important to me as a salesperson doesn't make it important to them as my prospects. And that assumption creates a lot of arrogance and hence sets off a lot of defense mechanisms and avoidance of prospects of avoiding salespeople. So the question this leads us to is, how can I get them interested if they won't listen to all this fascinating product information that I have? I can't just lead with all that information. And, and and get them interested. Well, it's a good question. And the answer is you need to bait them just like the guy in the office by the water cooler on Monday morning. You need to bait them by throwing out some claims and some statements that get the ones that have some interest to stick their heads up and ask you a question. So when you speak to the results, the what, as your lead in, and then you spend more time with these people that look up and ask the how question. So if I'm selling the Derpo, here's how I would leverage this, right? The following way. First, and there's four steps to this. So step one is I find the real why behind the value. Most restaurant owners don't care about throwing away food. I mean, they may on some emotional level, but on a business level, they don't. What they care about is the financial loss tied to throwing away food because that's food that they bought that they weren't able to sell. So the real power behind the value of the Derpo in this case, it's not about wasting food. It's about wasting money. The restaurant doesn't want to waste money. In this case, in this imaginary case, this is my real why behind whatever, right? So I don't want to talk about just like food waste in the fridge. I want to tie it to the real why. The second piece I want to do, step two, is to do the math and take that vague concept of wasted money due to food loss and actually calculate a dollar amount on how much money the average restaurant loses on throwing away food each year. So let's say I do a little research. I find out your average restaurant with your average number of tables based on their average food purchases over the course of a year, and they throw away a percentage of that. And let's say I tie it down to $150,000. I now have a specific pain I can speak to. The average restaurant loses a $150,000 in revenue or in money out of their bank account, even worse than revenue, in money out of their bank account because of food that they have to throw away. So I've now found the real why, step one, and step two, I've done the math and I've made it a specific and pain. And sometimes that pain's not going to be dollar tied. It usually is, but very sometimes it can also be uh, time tied, for example. Right? It can be tied to something to do with you know, the passage of time. So now step three is I'm going to set the bait. Early and often in my prospecting, I'm going to make what may seem like an outlandish or outrageous claim. Subtlety is not my friend in this case because I'm trying to get people to put their hands up. So I'm going to make some of these claims likely to get attention of prospects who have this as an issue. So I might say something along the lines of, it's funny, I just worked with a restaurant last week. We were able to save them $10,000 the first month working with them on food that they were throwing away. Or on average, my clients have saved $150,000 year over year when they've been using our product. Because those things are going to lead to somebody saying, what do you mean? How does that work? They're going to lead to a question. Right Now, your step four is only focus on the fish that bite, or at least prioritize the fish that bite, not the ones that swim away. Statements like that are going to cause some people to just raise their eyebrows to the sky, shake their head, or ignore you, or not be interested. Some of them are going to walk away silently. Those are the all suspects. They're not prospects. 
They don't own a restaurant, don't care about losing $150,000 because maybe they're making $20 million a year in this restaurant. So losing $150K on food, not a big deal. They're not willing to believe that the technology even exists, that this can even be done. They're highly suspicious of new technology. They're never the kind of person that is the early adopters, the ones that buy something before it's been out in the market for five years or 10 years. There'd be a variety of reasons why somebody's not going to engage. But if they don't engage, they are a low percentage to close prospect. Many others, however, will look up and say, wait a minute, you were able to save them how much? Over how many period of time? How, how does that work? How can you possibly do that? How much is this thing? They're going to start asking and leaning questions, and those you can leverage to an appointment. Because ultimately, what you're dealing with is that your most valuable resource is time. And you can't make more time. So if you're spending a lot of time as a salesperson with a whole bunch of suspects, those are all minutes and hours that you're not spending with a potential prospect, somebody who actually has the need of what you want. Those prospects, when they respond to that bait technique and actually ask a question, they've self-identified as one of those higher percentage valid prospects because they're interested enough in the subject to want proof or to ask a question. They're asking how, and hence they've qualified themselves to be presented to. Your most limited asset, again, is time. Spend time with the prospects that have a higher percentage of closing because they have some kind of interest. And by the way, you shouldn't be presenting as a default, your presentation should be something you hold back until you have a qualified prospect. Yes, presentations are good. Meetings are good. We want them in sales, but we want them with qualified prospects. If it was just about how many people we met with, we could just walk around the block and talk to the first 100 people we met, but not all of them are qualified or even in the position that you need to be selling to. So qualified prospect presentations are the key, not just presentations and telling anybody you can about your about your product. You want to qualify them, and this is a great way to do that. Now, as a salesperson, you want to tell your story, and it's likely a good story. If you're an ethical salesperson selling a valid product, my guess is you have a great story to tell. But like the Monday morning baiter, though, your odds of people listening to it and hearing that story are going to go way up when you can get them to ask a question and your story is a response to a question that they asked. And it's that step that's key. So here's the question for you. Here's my question for you to move this forward. Do you have those bait comments identified? Do you have the core why of why people would want to buy your product or service? Not the surface one. Oh, rotted food. No, the money one below it. Rotted food costs us this much money. Do you have that core why identified? Do you have it quantified to something specific? That second step. Do you, are you able to quote some average numbers so that you can look at something and put an actual price tag in terms of money or time or something else on the pain that you're solving, solving, right? And then are you identifying those people and chasing the fish that bite, right? Because these bait comments are going to get some fish to bite. Not every, any bait, any fisherman will tell you, and I don't do much fishing, but any fisherman will tell you there are days where the fish don't bite. What do they do on those days? They might stay out there for a little while, but at some point, they don't keep chasing the fish that aren't biting. They swap the bait. They go to a different spot. They they start trying different bait comments, right, in the case of a salesperson. So it might be something that you have to do in that way is try a different bait comment. So hopefully that was helpful. Do me a favor if it was. Click like or share on whatever podcast app that you're listening to, to, to this on. I really appreciate that. If you have the time to go write a review on the podcast on whatever app you're listening to, that's even better. I really appreciate that. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Sales Fix Podcast. You've been listening to the Sales Fix Podcast. For more sales tactics and tips, visit the blog section at salesfix.com. That's Sales Fix with two X's. 
We're on Twitter at SalesFix, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you'd like help training your sales team, email us at info at salesfix.com. 